From Bregman MD, where we're all about psych solutions, I'm your host, Linda Corley, and this is The Breakdown with Dr. B. So my question is, what has happened to the kids? And what I mean by that, doctor, it's been one year since we've been living in the pandemic and the numbers are out. The numbers, what I mean by the numbers are the numbers of what the pandemic, the lockdown, the lack of schooling, the lack of seeing their friends, what that is doing to our children, our world's children. And enough time's been gone, enough time has gone by so that researchers have been able to calculate the damage of mental health uh, with children. Are you seeing this in your practice? Oh, Linda, oh, absolutely. You know, what's happening is, you know, behind the closed doors with people, you know, the parents are telling me that the kids are not doing well at all. Uh, And each different age group has like different issues. Hey, look, our kids are the future. We got to take a a real good look at this and what's going on here. Well, you know, uh, numbers uh, speak loudly and it's been in all the papers, all the media this week. And I just want to read you the numbers because to me, that is what says everything. According to John Hopkins, All Children's Hospital, from April through November of 2020, there's been a 35% increase in children who need mental health assistance uh, uh, compared to 2019. And there is a 119% increase in overdoses and an uptick in suicide attempts as well. And then let's talk about over in Europe, there has been a recent study by the University Medical Center in Hamburg, Germany, and they found that one in three children are suffering from pandemic-related anxiety or depression, or they're exhibiting psychosomatic symptoms like headaches or stomach aches. Those are huge numbers, doctor. Huge. Well, look, you know, Linda, for my colleagues at Miami Children's, I was there as a chief for about 10 years uh, in the Children's Hospital. What we are seeing is the, it's so overloaded in the Children's Hospital that from Miami, people are being sent to Palm Beach because there's no hospital beds anywhere. The place is overloaded. So, Look, I know we look to that in the pandemic, you know, for virus, you know, how many people are in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Well, let's take a look at how many people are in the mental hospitals for kids. And it's unbelievable. Well, I just want to tell our listeners um, who don't know perhaps your background and that you were the head of psychiatry, the psychiatry department at Miami Children's for years. Um, That hospital is now called the uh, Jack Nicholas Hospital, Children's Hospital. So you know your stuff. And in all your years of taking care of children and family, um, am I right to say this is the worst you've ever seen in terms of the condition of children's mental health? Absolutely. Linda, you know, what's happened here is, you know, that um, 
if we really take a look at some of the causes for this, and it, it, we see just unprecedented suicides and kids going to hospitals, look, the whole place, whole world has been destabilized. You know, there's no predictability. You know, now, um, you know, the kids feel uncertain. They're socially isolated. 30% of businesses close. People don't have jobs. Families don't have money. I mean, we're not hearing enough about that. And look, the kids pathology flows down through the parents and the parents really aren't doing well either. And look, the kids, you know, the ones I talk to, they're worried. They say, I don't see their friends. They don't know if school's going to start. And then when it does start, it's going to happen again. They don't know if they're going to get sick. I mean, the kids are just really upset. Yeah, let's let's touch upon the schools uh, being closed. Many schools were closed. Uh, some schools are still closed. Some parents don't want their children to go back to school. Let's talk. You've always been a proponent of children staying in school, haven't you? Let's Absolutely. talk. And you almost yeah. predicted, I think it was almost a year ago, maybe back in April, that kids should stay in school. Let's talk about that. Why is it so important beyond education? That's a given. Well, you know, Linda, if we just speak and talk about development, okay, in developmental history, you know, a lot of what the kids evolve into has experiments with other friends, uh, playing, doing play, and getting involved with other kids. And a lot of this is lost. The kids are isolated. You know, not allowed to be with other kids. It's, you know, it's been really curtailed. And now what we get is really kind of some developmental delay. I, I mean, so we got to get the kids back in school socializing. I think it's shown that the infection rates are, are, are very low, you know, with the kids. And a lot of people are getting immunized, you know, now the adults. So it's time really to get the kids back to school. Yeah. And, you know, I was I was reading that, you know, there are some children that are finding being at home sort of like the cave syndrome that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. There are some children, the shy, the, the anxiety ridden kids that are loving being home. But that you were telling me is dangerous because you're just delaying the inevitable. I spent my career in September dealing with school phobia. Uh, okay. I mean, all the kids that were home in the summer and then they had to go back to school. Now, this is incredible. You know, there's a lot of kids and we don't see them as much outside there, but that they, they love this too. And they are going to have a lot of trouble getting back to school. So this is you know, the whole thing about school phobia, social anxiety, huge coming up now with kids too. Okay, so we've set the stage. We've we've discussed the problem. Our uh, listeners now know how how large this problem is. Anyone who's listening with children uh, who are struggling, my heart goes out to you. I I think every day my kids are not in school because I would doctor be one of those crazy mothers that you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, boy. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about the solutions because, okay. you know, that's what the show is called the breakdown with Dr. B. Give us a, we've already worked on the breakdown. Give us some solutions, some takeaways. Okay. 
I got some good ones. I got four of them. Okay. Okay. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. First, you can get the kids outside. If they seem down and depressed, of they're socially isolated and, and, and they're on the computer and stuff, get them in the sunlight. Get outside. I tell the adults the same thing. Okay. We need the light. Okay. So and, and it helps their physical health, their cognitive development, their social development, and it, it, and they appreciate nature. Get outside. Okay. So that's number one. Okay. The other is reach out. This is number two. Uh, if you see something unusual, look, you know, the kids, if they don't sleep the same, their sleep patterns are different, their appetite is different. Okay. And they're irritable, cranky, oppositional, moody. Then, hey, look, there could be some, something going on here. Okay. And early intervention is the key to the game. So whatever way you could go, go to the pediatrician, go to a, a therapist, go to a psychiatrist, go to a community mail health center, but you got to do something. Okay. So that's number two. Okay. So reach out if you need to. Then look, teach. This is number three. Teach your kids about how to stay safe. I know you've been doing it, but look, you'll feel real good as a parent knowing that as we get out there and you give the kid the message, go out, it's safe, it's okay. It's going to come from the parents. So the parents have to be calm enough to be able to give good messages to the kids. So, um, you know, you talk to them about the mass, the social distancing, etc. Okay. Then fourth and not least is help. Children need help, okay? For example, they could feel lonely. They, they, they need some reassurance. Um, they need some family time. Um, they need, um, it, all this is taking a toll on, on them. So get together as a family, less time in front of that screen, get some good human interaction with your kid and listen to your kid, okay? Because if you could take a moment and calm yourself down as a parent and listen to your kid, then you're gonna be there as a great parent. And that's a, a wonderful thing. Really good advice, doctor, really good advice. And you really help the confidence of parents because at the end of the day, they are the parents and they're steering the ship. So Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I, I would take all those things to heart. Uh, our next topic, if I were to put a number five on your tips, here's our next topic, would be hugs, the power of hugs. So we're going to talk about hugs right now, but, you know, I just want to say don't forget to hug your children lots, and we're about to tell you why. There's a lot of medical uh, power in the act of the hug. So let's talk about this. I love this topic. Uh, <laughs> There was a study that actually showed that hugs protected people, I love this, from increased susceptibility to the kind of stress that leads to infection and viruses. Wow, if only we knew that a year ago, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yes, oh, yes. Oh, wow, what, yeah, better than an inoculation, just hug everybody. Now, ironically, we can't hug people, but you can hug your, your, you know, your significant other, you can uh, hug your family and oh, certainly your children. But let's talk about as we open up in the world and, and become um, coming out of the cave, as we like to say, 
let's talk about the power of hugs as we go back to hugging. Really, hugging increases the amount of oxytocin, which is like the love hormone. So believe it or not, if you're hugging, uh, then you're releasing this hormone. And then what happens is people have a feeling of well-being. If you, if you go and you go squeeze a loved one and, and see how you feel, that oxytocin is released and people really feel better. That's amazing. And so how long should you be hugging? I mean, is there like a rule, like make sure you hug for at least 10 seconds? Yeah, you know, there's kind of a rule of thumb. You know, like some people say if something drops on the floor, you, know, you give it three seconds. Uh, well, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 if if uh, I, I give it at least 10 to 15 seconds, you know, a meaningful hug. Well, just think, you know, a, a nice 15 seconds, 10, 15 seconds. And, and there's something about that that just makes you feel okay. Well, better than okay. But if something's wrong, it kind of puts the world right again. Absolutely. So there's something reinforcing about a hug that says to you, things are okay. And, you know, look, we're very tribal. Being a member of the tribe and feeling accepted was very important. So I think in a primitive way, the hug and the release of you know, natural hormones is like a biological phenomenon. It really works because people felt connected you know, with the tribe. Yeah, you know, that's right. You bring up you know, the, the stress hormone, which is cortisol which um, um, uh, you've talked about a lot. And it's actually a good hormone and slash bad hormone, depending on what situation you're in. But if you're stressed out and you got that cortisol coming, hugs is sort of an anecdote to that, isn't it? Oh, yeah, look, we've, well, we talked about the oxytocin, but let's talk about cortisol. You know, we spend a lot of time on this, you know, uh, fight or flight mechanism, you know, right. that we're all in like on overdrive, fight or flight, because we never know what's going to happen. And cortisol secreted. Now, believe it or not, and you're absolutely right about this, Linda, decrease cortisol levels. Hugs decrease them. I mean, so we're talking, you know, this is just free medicine. So I think uh, we should all safely, okay, um, go and hug significant others. If hugs are such a remedy to stress and have so many curing properties, it just shows you, and getting back to the kids, how humans need humans. I mean, we were designed to be needing each other and how when you isolate people, how damaging it really can be. You know, the pandemic, uh, because one of the solutions to a reduction in the virus is uh, contagion is to isolate. So part of you know the cure has been a rampant increase in mental illness. And you know as I've been saying, you know we saw that in the pandemic of 1918 as well. Forty percent of the population suffered from you know more chronic post-traumatic stress syndrome, as you know we coined that today. You know really what we have here is a major mental health crisis. And I think the world is beginning to see as we get out there, you know, that now we're going to be left with another problem, a mental health problem. 
Well, getting back to the positive is that hugs really can change someone's day and it only takes seconds. So as we end the show, just I want to remind you to hug your friends and your loved ones more. And uh, hopefully in a year, we're just going to have a big world hug circle. You know, wouldn't that be great? That's good, Linda. I agree. To end Uh, on a positive uh, note, that's the way to do it. Okay. uh, All right. Well, hugs and love to you all until next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. From Bregman, MD, you've been listening to the latest episode of The Breakdown with Dr. B. If you'd like more information or to speak to one of our top psychiatrists, just head to our website at BregmanMD.com to book a telepsychiatry visit from the comfort of your home. Hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast. Catch you next time.